It's a spin and a win for Max Verstappen. And yet again, Ferrari questionable strategy is dominating the headlines. Welcome back to Grid Talk Podcast. This is episode 220, where we'll be reviewing this year's Hungarian Grand Prix. I'm your host, Tom Horrocks. And today I'm joined by Philip Matthew from the Grip Strip Pod. Hello. Aaron Harper from Five Red Lights. Hello. And the world famous Tom Downey from EF1. Hello. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you would give us a five-star rating on Spotify and a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll give you a shout-out to everyone who leaves a comment on the next show. Just like Matthew Laurie 3 from America, who said, this is my favourite F1 podcast and I love the panellists, but my favourite is Tom. Oh, thank you, Matthew. Oh, no, hang on. Uh, my favourite is Tom Downey. Uh, okay, that's awkward. Uh, he asks for Tom Downey themed merchandise. So, uh, well, Matthew, you are the winner of our merchandise contest uh, this, this month. So if you want to email media at f1chronicle.com, you can claim your prize. And who knows, it may well be Tom Downey themed as well. You never know. And if you haven't done so, done so already, why not subscribe to our YouTube channel and click the bell to be notified when we go live. We've got nearly 700 subscribers now, so we'd love it if we could top the uh, 700 mark this weekend. There's loads of video content, including articles and shorts for you to get your teeth into as well. Give us a thumbs up, share and comment as we love hearing from you. And any questions asked during the stream, we will attempt to answer in our post show. But moving on to today, then we've just come back from a from a, uh, a an enthralling Hungarian Grand Prix, and uh, I'll I'll start with you, Aaron. Max Verstappen started the race was uh, was targeting a podium, and uh, how surprised were you to see him passing Leclerc quite early in the race, considering? Uh, well, well, we'll get to how he he got there, but by the time it happened, I wasn't at all surprised because we know just how quick that Red Bull is in a straight line. Um, the more surprising thing was that he was in a position to actually challenge for the victory because this wasn't a race where rain played a factor or there was a, a random safety car which brought certain drivers back into contention. Red Bull used strategy and pace to do this and they were definitely out of position in 10th and 11th. No one can deny that. Um, but it's still a very, very good victory for Max. It it was just frustrating how easy it became in the end for him. That's not to do Max a, Max a disservice at all. I think Ferrari had the race in the palm of their hand, and yet Red Bull managed to snatch it away from them through good strategy, decisive strategy, and a driver who is in top form at the moment because you give uh, Max the sniff of a victory and he takes it like a ferret up a drain pipe and... There's just no stopping him at the moment, mostly because Ferrari keep falling over themselves. But, you know, you've got to be in it to win it, as they say. And Max is there. He's on hand. He's fast enough to do the damage when he needs to. Um, it's a, like, I, I can't even say it's a save. It's just incredible that he's won this race um, from 10th on the grid around the Hungara ring, which I think... Speaks volumes, A, about the Red Bull package and Max as a driver, but also the 2022 regulations, because this track has always long been a tough track for overtaking. We saw it last year. Vettel couldn't get past Ocon. It took Hamilton an age to get past Alonso, who was driving the widest car known to man. And yet this year we saw lots of wheel-to-wheel -wheel battles throughout the field, and Verstappen overtook Leclerc twice on track, despite that spin, to go on and win the race, which I think you know, shows you exactly how well he's driving and exactly how the regulations are 
affecting the on-track battling. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it was an interesting strategy as well to be able to undercut um, to, to get into that position to then be able to attack and and a, a very good tie saving race from Max Verstappen. Something that although we know he can do, it's not something he's absolutely famed for. But uh, someone who is famed for their, their great tie saving is uh, is the former world champion Sir Lewis Hamilton. Great pace after that initial early stint, just getting getting his nose into the uh, into the race. And uh, and yeah, I mean, how how was it that he was ahead of Russell on the podium, Phil? He uh, from Russell starting on pole, and then for him beating him to, to second place, uh, a hell of a performance from him. It's uh, the progression here over the last few weeks. Tom for for Lewis has been um, needed. Of course, the start of the season was shocking. It was reminders of two thousand nine. It was reminders of previous years where he wasn't at the front end, meaning, you know, the consistency wasn't there. He didn't seem one with the car. The car wasn't doing anything that he wanted it to. They're going off on different um, planets to go and see if they can make the thing actually drive decently. Um, But over these last five races, it seemed to have switched on. it hasn't all come together yet, of course, qualifying yesterday with the DRS issue, considering George qualifies on pole and how Ferrari did Ferrari things. It could have turned a little differently. It could have actually been a battle. We could have seen if the the soon-to-be two-time world champion uh, would have had a, a battle with Lewis there. Um, but instead, uh, strategy, they were able to put him on softs there late. And uh, they did a two-stopper, and it worked in his favor. Car was fast. Uh, not, of course, the top-end speed is not there, um, unfortunately. They need to have little errors, little things happen, like happened with signs. And it took a lap, extra lap, I think, in both cases to pass both of those cars, both signs and George, which basically uh, – cost Lewis any chance to really battle for the victory, but it was all consolidation at that point. Max had built the lead. He was at 10 seconds ahead for a good part of it. Even though he was giving up a second and a half, a second, a lap, it didn't matter because he wasn't losing anything to the people behind him. Uh, the, the drive for Lewis today is positive energy and he's in a great state of mind going into the break. Mercedes is in a good state of mind with two consecutive double podiums. They're in the mix to get second in the in the constructors championship. All of a sudden, um, I mean, there's there's a. I mean, I would also venture to say that the drivers second in the drivers championship is still in play too. He's uh, Lewis is only thirty two points behind Charles Leclerc right now. So, and it's getting very tight amongst those five drivers. So it's, that's the thing that we're going to be watching here with nine races to go, um, is that battle, the battle for second in the drivers and of course, second in the constructors. And Lewis is going to have something to say about it, which is good to see while Max, um, goes on and wins this world championship and contends to, um, get to those records, those, um, Hamilton Schumacher records of yet of the past, of winning all those races in one season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um 
And as well, the strategy he had today, I thought if Ferrari had adopted that strategy, it would have been a one-two all day long. And there was absolutely no reason why they couldn't. They started on the same tyre. They have more pace than the Mercedes, yet somehow they've engineered the, the way to being behind both Mercedes, which is just, you know, it's completely opened up the Constructors' Championship. And George Russell is a big part of that uh, Constructors' Championship battle, uh, uh, Tom. And um, great, uh, great opening stint. But was the soft tyre the wrong tyre to start on in hindsight, or was it just Hamilton had too much for him? Um, I think hindsight is, is is obviously a wonderful thing. Um, yeah, I just uh, it 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 kind of uh, it, it kind of sort of like it, it kind of meant that Russell was driving with one arm tied behind his back, so to speak. Um, and and you know, he, he did do a great job on 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 those first stints. And I was just live tweeting for EF one today. Um, and and I got a, and I put out a tweet and, and, I, and I said, can we just take a moment to appreciate how comfortable Russell looks leading a race? You know, he, he looks really comfortable, um, you know, le- 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 uh, leading leading the race. And um, you know that that first stint, maybe yes, maybe the soft tires may sort of look like you know, sort of perhaps look a bit better than it was, but he he got a good launch. You know, he he held his own going into turn one. Um, you know, he was uh, he held off an early challenge from uh, from from the Ferraris behind, and then yeah, you know, unfortunately, strategy didn't quite go his way. Um, I think I think maybe he was a, he may, maybe was a little bit hamstrung by starting on the softs, um, and yeah, it just it just didn't didn't quite work out for him. But I th- I think um, I think for Russell's sake as well, I think maybe it's good that he didn't get his first win. On the same time, he got his first pole position. In the same way that when Lando got his first pole in Russia last year, he didn't get his first win. Because um, I think it's I think it's quite good from a driver development perspective as well. Because obviously these guys are still very young. Russell is in one of the top seats. He will get a win at some point. We can all see it. Um, it's just uh, it's just uh, I know it might sound weird, but for, for me, for him not having the win just yet. I think that's good for him mentally and, and also in, ter- in terms of his development because he's, he's now got experience of what it's like to lead a stint in a race. Um, and, and yeah, one thing that I didn't notice at the end though is um, I don't, I, do, I honestly don't know if Mercedes did team orders or, or not at, at the end. I don't, yeah, I, I see Aaron Jacob's head. I, I didn't think they did because, um, uh, you know, because, because Russell was getting very, very sort of like, well, basically defensive when Hamilton was trying to overtake, um, but it, but it, it was all it was always respectful, um, you know, not just on Hamilton, but but you know, but when he was battling against the Ferraris and and anybody else, you know, he, he's very very hard, but he's 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 pretty respectful on track, I'd say. Um, you know, so it's 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 good to see him you know, sort of genuinely fighting for, fighting for positions, and that that first win it is going to come, it will come, and. If you know, if Russell's career is anything to go by, he had his first points at Hungary last year. He had his first pole this year. Next year, first win for him. Yeah, absolutely. And he's now ahead of Carlos Sainz in the World Championship as well. Just he's moved two points ahead of him right now, 158 to 156 from Carlos Sainz. And Carlos Sainz unable to pass Russell on softer tyres. It looked like a podium was the worst case scenario for him. Yet fourth place for Sainz, Aaron. How did that even happen? Well, he's driving 
in a Ferrari that's very fast, but is run by possibly the most inept strategy department you'll ever see. Because for some, I think Sainz struggled in the in the first stint. He was behind Russell, and Leclerc was asking for him to speed up, and then he eventually dropped behind. But for some reason, like if you're going to put one of the cars on hards, surely it should have been Sainz because he didn't have the he, he had the longer run on the mediums in the middle and yet they pitted Leclerc first so I think Sainz was kind of inadvertently the guy on the right strategy at Ferrari because it that's what sh- should have been used for Charles Leclerc and then by definition they should have both gone that way he'll be disappointed not to have come away with a podium from starting on the front row and he probably would have come to the track today thinking he had a shot of victory. But the Ferrari just didn't seem to be able to, to get past that Mercedes with much efficiency. And we saw how Leclerc struggled to get past Russell as well, which was kind of surprising. So for Carlos, it, it's a day of disappointment. He said the team, uh, he said the, 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 the pace was bad. So the strategy was always going to be difficult after the race. So he's kind of playing the team game there. But last week he said that the team shouldn't be criticised because everyone is at it with the strategies and stuff like that. So it's just a really disappointing result. And I think there's, there's just an overbearing issue with Ferrari before we can really look at their drivers' performances. Because I think whatever they do, they're almost second-guessing their team because we heard last week Carlos battling with the team on the team radio as to whether to stop or not. They did something similar again today, although that was probably a bluff to make George Russell pit. And then, I mean, Sainz was hamstrung with that second stint, as I said before, because he was never going to have the pace to catch Verstappen or stop Hamilton closing it on him. And yet they put him on the soft tyres and then he had no pace on there either. So it's just a very disappointing day for Carlos and kind of sums Ferrari's day up really for me. Yeah, and I I just worry for Ferrari in that I I can't see them keeping hold of certainly Charles Leclerc if if this kind of behaviour continues. And I can see Science looking for an early exit, uh, or sorry, Leclerc looking for an early exit from his contract if uh, if they continue on in this manner but uh, but Sergio Perez in the the other Red Bull and very much the other Red Bull this weekend didn't really seem to have a lot of pace Phil and and nowhere in the race was he really really featured apart from that first lap when he was when he got ahead of Verstappen and then leapt out the way like a like a child who just put their hand on a hob he's uh, he, he definitely in that number two driver status right now yeah it's not unusual to see that happen for Sergio Perez uh, the fact that he has to get out of the way and um, he hasn't had pace the last two races, it kind of harkens back to other Red Bull second drivers over the years. Um, the last two weeks have been um, been uh, really weird for him. I, I, I don't know what happened to his pace. I don't know why it's happening. He is battling for second in the Drivers' Championship. And considering how bad Ferrari are handling Charles Leclerc, the amount of points they've given up here in um, the last two races uh, for Checo 
it, it really makes no sense. Um, how do you lose the car when the car has been so good for you? You In the month of May, he looked so fast winning at Monaco, and he's been good on so, – and now all of a sudden it's gone away. And you've already signed him back for another year or two, whatever many years – to be to be the the coffee boy and the fact of the matter is you're kind of essentially making him that you're making him into like Rubens Barrichello 2.0 and at the expense because they don't care anymore I guess now it's gotten to the point where they're so far ahead in the constructors championship Max has gotten uh, over three race lead in the drivers championship they know it's good um maybe it'll switch around here uh post uh, summer break, but it's really unfortunate. I think if he qualifies in the top 10, who knows, maybe he's battling for the, I mean, he would have finished second. Sorry. I was like, I, I, I was about to say he was going to battle for the win. I had, when I had to go and stop myself, um, um, be the um, loyal domestique and finish second. Um, but they want, they should want one, two in the driver's championship at this point, because that's really what this is now. Max is going to win the championship. We already know it. It's just about how many wins he's going to have this year and how big of a gap it's going to be to second. You're going to win the Constructors' Championship because Ferrari sits, figures out a way to screw up every single race. Mercedes doesn't have a consistent car yet. They have a very finicky piece. So when it gets there, they're going to go past Ferrari, but by that point, it won't matter. So you need to be going and working with your second driver and putting him up there. In fact, he gets, even in getting 11th, I mean, it goes back to what the guys have been saying. I mean, to go and be able to overtake at a track that has um, always been known as one of the hardest uh, tracks to pass on to get a fifth place finish, strong result, uh, solid result in that sense. I think there was more there, but he didn't have the pace, as you said, Tom. Um for whatever reason, these last two races, he's had no pace and um, to be, but to be, to give him credit relative to other drivers that have been in that seat, he's made the most of it, I guess, and brought about as good of a finish as you can get relative to being outside of the points or being like out in the woods. Uh, so I guess you can give him that. Yeah. I mean, the, the theory behind Perez is that they've given him the, uh, the updated floor, which is going to be legal come spa. Um, whereas currently, uh, it's the, the existing floor is illegal, uh, come spa that Verstappen is, is driving, which would kind of make sense. I mean, it's a, it, it could just be a conspiracy theory there, but, uh, but Charles Leclerc, um, really looked like absolute nailed on to win the race, Tom and, uh, and fastest car leading the race, same strategy as the cars around him. How on earth was sixth place even on the radar today in a race that wasn't affected by rain and no safety cars? How did that even happen? More Ferrari bashing. Uh, yeah, that's quite an easy answer to this. It's called hashtag just Ferrari things. Um, once again, they just they put on they donned their best clown makeup, um, sat on the strategy uh, sat on the strategy room and went, oh, how should we mess this up? Mess this up today, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I know. Let's put Leclerc on hearts. That went well, and and then and then they went, oh, mamma mia, and then put him on sauce with not enough laps to go. And then yeah, it was just an. I can't say what I was about to say on 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 the on the podcast. You know, trying to keep it PG. Um, yeah, it was just an, it was just an absolute show. Um, is what I was going to say. 
um if you know what i mean um yeah we know <laughs> yeah it was uh yeah just <sighs> Fari. Uh, all right here we go here we go um <laughs> My God, a life where I can shoot the stars in my foot, can I? Um, they don't know how to win. If you look at Mercedes today compared to Ferrari, Ferrari are like the new kids on the block, and they don't know how to win. You would think a team with as much history and as much prestige and success as they've had in the past, I know they haven't been as successful in recent years, you would think that they would still have at least some people there who would know what the hell they are doing. You know, because Bernotto has been at that team. You know, there was a clip of Michael Schumacher um, doing, you know, like you know, like a garage, you know, like, like a pick garage walk around with a microphone and he, he found Bernotto. Um, he's channeling, he's in a Ted Kravitz. Um, you know, it's a clip that I saw the other day. Um, you know, so Bernotto's been there a long time. They've got people who have been there a long time. That team is rotten to the core. It has a lot of dead wood that needs to be ripped out put in the recycling, given to charity, whatever, uh, give them to Aston Martin, I don't care. Um, I'm not even a Ferrari fan and I'm getting annoyed for them. Um, you, you know, how can you, again, how can you squander such an opportunity? And before the, and before the Tifosi come and, come and say, I know George is on pole, but you, you still have done him and then, Leclerc was an absolute sitting duck on those hard tires. Even after, even after Max got got a bit too ambitious going into the final hairpin and spun, a handful of laps later, he just did exactly the same thing and he just went straight on by. Which for me, great because I'm a Max fan. We all know that. But the team doesn't know how to win. They're going to cost themselves second in the constructors pretty damn soon if they're not careful earlier in the season and we said we were saying this yesterday on the on the on the quality review you know uh, i think we said in the post show so someone in the comments said um you know will, will ferrari end up finishing third and at the time i said no on the other back of today they're at serious risk of finishing third because mercedes is phil and aaron said have come on leaps and bounds this year you know you know phil you made a very very good point about how Sort of like Mercedes have, have come on. Yeah, they've got a lot of work to do still, but they are a hell of a lot better than they were early in the season. If Ferrari aren't careful, um, yeah, th th they're going to be consigned to third in the constructors, which if you look at how their season started, is inexcusable. Um, it's not like they're new kids on the block either. They need to sort it out. I, that's easy to say, obviously, and we all know it's not going to be sorted out overnight. But a really good example was was um, was was when sign it was at Silverstone when when they were saying something to signs. Uh, after I think it was when they're behind the, the safety car or, or, the, or the VSC towards the end, and signs said stop inventing things. And then and then the other week of the French Grand Prix, you know, you know when when signs said, uh, you know, when one of them said stay out, the other one said come in. Um, uh, you know, Science was saying he wanted to come in. They said stay out, and then when Science was mid bloody battle, they said, "Oh, go on, come on in. Let's have some new tires, boy, back, and let's get you back out there, son." You know, it was a, uh, you know, it's just they're like a bunch of amateurs. This isn't an online game where they can press the flashback button or whatever. You know, it's just yeah, it's just it's just it's just it's just an absolute just yeah. 
thoughts thoughts heavily echoed i think by the entire panel here today and uh, it's not as if they didn't have any evidence to say that the hard tie was bad we've just seen kevin magnuson and the alpines just fall like an absolute stone having fitted those tires and uh, unforgivable unforgivable situation really but uh, one driver who actually did uh, did kind of make those hard tires work in the finals didn't lando norris the last driver on the lead lap um He's the only only driver outside the top three teams to uh, to finish on the lead lap. Is seventh place where McLaren are? Aaron, is that kind of the best he could have hoped for today? Yeah, that's where the McLaren probably would have ended up uh, in a normal circumstance in qualifying somewhere around there. Um, yeah, the McLaren was good, especially in Lando's hands uh, this weekend. Daniel had a good run as well until he uh, had a coming together with Lance Stroll. But the important thing for McLaren was they had the edge over Alpine and, and they got their um, strategy right. They they started Lando on the softs. He made a good launch. And then they put him on the mediums and ran in really long. And basically, because Alpine had um, done a Ferrari with their strategy, they uh, gave Lando this nice yawning chasm to pit and come back, back out in front of them. And the fact that Lando finished on the lead lap shows you just how well he was driving. Um, he did lose a lot of, he, did, he lost a lot of pace early on when he was defending against Hamilton and Verstappen. And it was inevitable they would come past. But from there, he ran his own race. And when you're in the midfield, and especially the head of the midfield, if you can just manage your own race and not get tangled up in anybody else's, especially if there's faster cars out of position. Just run your own race, do your pace, and everything will sort itself out. And he's got himself in a really nice position there. Seventh place doesn't seem like a lot, but considering that all of the top six cars finish the race, then the next best position on offer is P7. So if you're McLaren or Alpine, you've got to be looking at, at making sure you finish seventh at the bare minimum. And Lando Norris did that. So he's done exactly what's asked of him. And he admitted yesterday after qualifying that the car doesn't always drive how he wants it to drive in terms of style. So if he's admitting to that, his performances are even more impressive. And perhaps it sheds a little bit more light on Daniel Ricciardo's struggles if Lando Norris is admitting to those sort of struggles as well. So for him to beat both Alpines, fair play, well done, good job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, that I mean, that would have helped in the constructors had um, the two Alpines not finished directly behind him, and the 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 gap was completely negated as they're still four points ahead. Phil and uh, and going into the next driver there, Fernando Alonso finishing eighth place. Never in his life has he ever seen defending like that from Esteban Ocon allegedly. And uh, but he still managed to finish ahead of his teammate. How how did? Uh, how, how did that even happen with, with them and the strategy as well? But uh, just a kind of a very odd race for Alpine when they looked like they had decent pace. Yeah, well, the plan didn't seem to work out so well for him this year. Uh, it did last year uh, when he made his his vehicle into that Renault uh, van they had back in 95 with the V10 engines that they let down Prost drive. And that's what he drove last year. Block Lewis Hamilton cost him a chance to win that race. In this case, he got it back. He got a little taste of his own medicine. Um, that hard tire was a disaster for anybody that really put it on for the midfield teams. Of course, for both Alpines, they were able to 
salvage a result based on their pace and their car. Um, other teams were not as lucky. Um, Esteban Ocon has been a little bit off here the last couple of two, three races. So I guess now he's a little punchy. He's like, hey, well, I know I'm back. I know I have a long-term contract. I'm going to give Valplan a little bit of a, a run because he knows that's where the battle is. He has to beat his teammate. Um, when you have the lure, you have the uh, heir of Oscar Piastri sitting there, albeit now with a certain uh, legendary driver retiring, um, maybe that kind of takes a little pressure off. Um, you know, you have to keep on driving hard. In Alonzo's case, he's he had bad luck earlier in the year. Now it's kind of uh, come around a little bit. Um, his uh, his performances and his standing in the points see him uh, 10th in points. He's only five points behind Botas, and then he is 17 points now behind Ocon. And Ocon had a bit of a head start on him early in the year, too, so... I think Esteban's kind of looking at it in that sense and saying, hey, I want to finish ahead of my two-time world champion teammate. Everyone talks about him. Everyone gives him all the credit in the world, blah, blah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that's the battle. I don't know if that's what Alonzo was banking on when he signed up and said 2022 is our year, that I'd be battling my much younger teammate with a the the – with a guy sitting over there as the test driver that probably could go as fast as the, either of those guys right now in that car too. So, I mean, you're consolidating, you're still ahead, getting that double points finish while Lando is the sole recipient for McLaren gives you a small edge in the constructor standings, which to be fair is what they're really racing for. Um, at this point, fourth in the constructors, they are now four points they are four points ahead in constructors going into the break. So, I mean, that that is really what it is. And that was the best of the rest kind of scenario, which is where McLaren and um, and Alpine are at the moment. Yeah, going into the summer break, that's a good position to be in, especially as McLaren have actively said they're not they're not developing any more updates. There'll still be a few things trickle through and, you know, Haas are a great example of what you can do just by understanding the package you have without bringing up grades. So I'm not saying McLaren are done, but uh, it's certainly a strong position to be in, in uh, Tom. And, and Esteban Ocon next up, he's uh, finishing ninth place after starting fifth. Uh, is there anything that can really be said about Ocon's race? Because apart from that, um, you know, that, that defence against Alonso on the opening lap, and uh, being passed by uh, by Daniel Ricciardo, we didn't really see much of him. No, um, a bit of a yeah, it was a bit anonymous for him. You know, that helped by by the Alpine strategy. Um, you know, Alonso must have been been on the horn to some of his engineers from his Ferrari days and, days and said, no, "Look, fam, I need to mess up a strategy. How do I do it?" Um, and they said, "Ah, oh, you're going the hearts," and then that's exactly what they did. Um, yeah. Uh, it's just yeah, I mean the 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 only thing of note I'd say about Ocon was you know he's having a he's having a sort of good bit of a ding dong with Alonso, and then Danny Rick did that lovely move from the outside of turn two into into turn three, um to to take both of them, which yeah I, I saw that move and I just I I, I practically stood up and applauded at, at that point because that was good to see. I did. Um, <laughs> I did. Yeah, 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 but um, but no, yeah, it was it was it was good good to see um. 
you know, good to see that. But with regards to Ocon, I've got to be honest, I didn't really notice an awful lot of him. You know, they just they just seem to be battling with um with 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 the Alpines. Uh, sorry, with, with the McLaren, they are the Alpines. Bloody hell, Tom. Yeah, they um that's for me, not you. Um, yeah, they they they, they, they seem to be battling with, with the McLarens week in week out. Um, and that's very much, you know, I think we can safely call that the battle for fourth at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. And uh, and obviously we've already been alluded to. We've mentioned about Sebastian Vettel uh, very much on his farewell tour now for the uh, for the end of the uh, end of the season. And Aaron, he uh, he got the he got the the pass done on stroll towards the end of the race this time round, as opposed as opposed to last time, and without a single bit of contact as well. How do you see his performance today, and and what do you expect to see from him in the second half of the uh, in the second half of the season? I think he was. Uh... Team ordered past Stroll, if I'm mistaken. I didn't hear any team radio about it, but that's what it looked like uh, on the replay. But, you know, if you look at where Seb started, P18, and he's finished 10th on paper, that's a really good result. And it is a good result because that Aston Martin, sometimes it looks quick. Sometimes it flatters to deceive. But today it had some decent pace, and even Stroll was was doing all right until he had that coming together with Ricardo. Uh, for Seb, for moving forward, I think we'll just see that that boyish grin come back. He'll just enjoy everything. Uh, I think he'll do the most he can for the team in terms of picking up points. But if there's a move to be made, a lunge to be to be had, I think we might see a few uh, tasty overtakes from Seb coming forward. Um, as for today, good result, an extra point. Uh, it's not really going to transform their season, but it, it's handy because, like I said before, there wasn't many point scoring positions up for grabs outside the top three teams. So for Aston Martin to pick one up, that's really useful, really, really, really useful. And on a day where Alpha Tauri didn't score, Alpha Romeo didn't score, uh, Williams didn't sneak a point. Aston Martin were the team that, that got it. And they used, I'm guessing, good strategy. And they made sure they put the right driver in front to go and get that final point. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to see a a, 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 a happy Seb for the remainder of the season there. And his teammate, Lance Stroll, he, he started 14th, finished 11th in a race with only one retirement. Um, decent return. But uh, again, the, the, the tangle with... Um, with Daniel Ricciardo and being beaten by his teammate has, has kind of put a, taken a bit of a shine off that. What's your thoughts on Lance Stroll today? Well, at least he got out of the way of his uh, better teammate um, and better driver. Uh, the fact of the matter is you would figure that you had the better position. He would have had optimal strategy, uh, but, you know, it's Lance. Uh, I think at this point for Aston Martin, they're battling, I believe, for eighth in the constructors championship let me just go and check that for a second ninth okay so they're actually in a battle for eighth have a possibility of seventh if the haas upgrades do not work uh per se uh because they only had it on magnuson's car and just like the last time they put an upgrade on magnuson's car or whatever it didn't work at at silverstone and it didn't seem to work this weekend either at hungary um, that might be in play, but they're not really going to be moving up up to get the key points where they can make a massive move. Um, 
keeping it clean for him is essentially what it is. We don't know who's in play. I know that that's the ride that is that everybody's going to be talking about for uh, the silly season. It's essentially the uh, the Sebastian Vettel's car and the second Williams seat. To be fair, they should be looking at two new drivers at Aston Martin if they ever really want to contend, but it'll never happen. Um, getting 11th place is whatever. Uh, made it into Q2. Uh, it was close. I think Vettel had some issues in Q1, which meant he got held out there and missed out. We'll see what he brings to the table uh, with the last nine races of the season. Stroll in a in a past life has done well at Monza. Um, in a past life, I think he's done okay at Singapore even. So we'll see what Al, uh, the Aston Martin team has to bring. Uh, they need to really pick it up anyway relative to the teams that they're around and the budgets that those teams have. Uh, they have a way bigger budget and they are not. Uh, bringing the heat at all um and it's kind of it's kind of unfortunate to say the least i think they were talking about somebody who's leaving after this race i'm not sure how many years she had been with the team but i'm sure that's going back to the jordan days or however many guys as they were before that so um in between that so um we'll see what happens with old lance he'll get to go out on a yacht with his buddy nicholas and um Maybe I'll sail out to sea somewhere into into the depths of despair. <laughs> Brilliant, and yeah, they, so um, Pierre Gasly finished twelfth uh, after starting after starting at the back of the grid and uh, very much unseen by the cameras, Tom. And I think that a lot of that is down to the fact this was such an engaging race today and it was very much a battle for the lead and the top six was dominating proceedings. Nobody ever was really absolutely nailed on to win it. But is there anything we could really say about Gasly? Did you see anything that that we didn't? No, um, I didn't see a single thing at Gasly. Um, but like you said, I think that's down to a the uh, the the, you know, the battles we had for the race and you know, the sort of like upper echelon to the midfield, and also down down to that absolutely shocking TV direction once again. Um, yeah, uh, that's actually a good result for Gasly. I know I know it might sound weird, but you know, given, given he had a woeful qualifying, yes, he had a lot of time deleted, but you know, started P nineteen, that's pretty dire. Um, so you know, so went for a pit lane starts all the all the rest of it. I think that's a good result for him. I mean, he was probably helped a bit at the start by the double wave yellows in sectors two. In sect- I think it was sectors two and three, and then obviously with the VSC. Yeah, you know, so you know, so he was he was able to not catch up, but but his but that gap was sort of negated a bit. Um, a full safety car would have obviously helped him even more because obviously he just wanted to and just caught up, but. No, but but it still it still helps him a bit. Um, I I got to be honest. I don't know how he how he got to piece off. I don't know if it was through on track overtakes, if it was through strategy, if it was through what. Um, and and I can't really see the way. Mainly because all the all the stuff that we saw on the TV direction was obviously the battle for the lead. Um, Ferrari imploding once again, and um, yeah, you know, you know, Mercedes and Red Bull doing well, and then then the Alpine and McLaren battles. So. Uh, yeah, I, I mean P12. Given the season Gassi has had, I think that's a good result. So he can go away for you know, we've got what best part of a month off now from F1. Um, you know, but um, 
but you know that's 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 a good result for him, so he can go away and, like I've said on some of the other shows, he needs to go away and just have a few weeks off and switch off. Hopefully, this is the cat. This this can be a bit of a catalyst for 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 the start of something good or something better for him for you know, for for uh, for for the remainder of the season. Yeah, I think just as a bit of a bit of a primer to the uh, to the listeners here, we, we I think pretty much everyone from here on in, apart from maybe Ricardo, there's not going to be an awful lot to talk about because of uh, as I said, just how, just what such an enthralling race it was up up the front. But uh, Guan Yu Zhou uh, or Zhou Guan Yu, even next up for Alfa Romeo, uh, and again as as with anyone else, another uh, another fairly anonymous day. Uh, but again, might, he may have had the most exciting race in the world, but we just didn't see it on on camera, Aaron and uh, I. I'm not the biggest supporter of Zhou Guan Yu. I know a few people are very impressed with him. Some people, he's very polarizing character. But um, for me, another zero points haul. I know there wasn't a lot of points on offer today, but 13th place. We know his seat is safe for the rest of the season. Do you see him returning next year or do you think he's under pressure? No, I don't think he's under pressure because he delivers solid drives like this. Um, you know, he's, been, he's finished P13 on a day where not much was up for grabs in terms of points. So if you look at the, the ordering of the midfield, you've got Norris and then the two Alpines and the Aston Martins who seem to be improved within race pace, although they struggled for qualifying pace. Gasly, yeah, you'd expect him to be up there. Then Joe, you know, okay, he's bumped up a position because Bottas dropped out. But still, you know, that's solidly middle of the midfield which for a rookie and a rookie who is classified as a pay driver in many people's eyes that's respectable and i think well we've seen what you can do with the, the alfa romeo car this year he's not he's not as good as valtteri bottas at the moment he possibly might never be that sort of level driver but still you know he's doing a respectable job 13th around the hungara ring is you know, that's solid. We didn't see anything happen. We saw other drivers spinning off and having collisions. Didn't see you, uh, didn't see uh, Guan Yu Zhou today, which in some respects is, uh, that's good because if you go unnoticed, it's, you know, not necessarily outside, out of mind, but, you know, there's no, no news is good news sort of thing. Yeah, and I suppose your your how you rate Joe Guanyu is very much linked to how you rate Valtteri Bottas as a driver as well. If you're not a Bottas fan, then you're not really a, a Joe fan, given how far Bottas is ahead. But uh, but Mick Schumacher next up then, and he's he's beaten his teammate today, Phil. And uh, but it's still a disappointing day overall. Not really ever in the fight for points, where Haas did look like a solid Q3 car at the start of the season. Big upgrade to that Haas car. So uh, is it just a case of them trying to figure out that car, or is is it disappointing all? Round. yeah they're i mean that's the one upgrade they've been talking about it it's been out there this is the one upgrade that they're trying to do for the year it's been on kevin's side of the the garage and it hasn't really worked um i think mick's run there a few races ago to get those points were was key in regards to their battle for constructors it's an unfortunate race weekend for them uh, not really having anything go on um, today and even yesterday. Uh, they both made Q2 13th and 15th and then finished, you know, 14th and 16th. Uh, that's 
mainly because, of course, uh, Vettel got through there and Gasly. So not sure. I mean, that's when you're losing spots at a track where it's very hard to pass. It's partly to do with with the strategy. It's partly to do with pace. I think the curiosity is what will they have in that three race, uh, three races in a row once they come back from the break. Um, there's only nine races to go in the season. They're trying to R&D what that's going to be looking towards 2023. Um, I would say that both uh, Mick and uh, Kevin will be back next year. So um, it's really about, I think they're in between. They're trying to figure out how far they can go up the constructor's ladder. I don't think there really is, there really is much that can happen for them in that sense, but you know, the, t- today's race was kind of a throwaway. Um, I think they're just trying to maintain and stay ahead of Alpha Tori and Haas, or I mean, Alpha Tori and Al- Aston Martin, because um, that would be huge um, money for them. Uh, smaller team, I mean, albeit they might be in the, in the running to get Kyle Busch in NASCAR and pay him a big contract. So Gene Haas does have a lot of money. Um, but you know, in regards to Formula One sake, they're too far behind Alfa Romeo. Alfa Romeo is about a step, is a step above them, even though the one, and then there's the other elephant in the room, which is a Ferrari power unit, which always seems to um, play a, a part, especially with the Sauber uh, side, the Alfa Sauber side, um, having a lot more uh, issues. But even Haas has had those issues too. So something to look into. Today was a throwaway, unfortunate um, weekend for them. But we will see what they bring to the table at um, at three circuits that I think would be a little bit more well-suited um, to the Haas uh, in Spa and especially Monza. They're known for more higher speed um, car anyway. And then um, uh, Zanfort which is kind of a balanced track. We'll see what the new upgrades look there. Oh, I completely forgot Zanvolt was even on the calendar. <laughs> that's going to be uh, that's going to be a hell of an atmosphere with Max returning as the world champion and uh, might lap the field. Yeah, maybe, maybe at this rate. Uh, certainly the Ferraris anyway. But going back to that amazing double overtake, Daniel Ricciardo, I make no apologies for going back to it again, Tom. And uh, it was just just phenomenal. But to go from that point there and then to end up. 15th place way out of the points and only a five second penalty because he didn't really lose a lot of time with that collision with stroll but only a five second penalty the only thing that's 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 hampered him there 15th place is is that down to him or was it just bad luck uh i mean he has to take some of the blame for it because he because he exited the pits on cold hard tires and he just had zero grip and he breaks we saw he just went very deep and then uh, you know, and then, you know, then he he almost locked up, and you know, obviously hit Stroll. So you know, so that that sets him back anyway. The five second time penalty didn't help, but he's he's got to take accountability for that. Um, I'm going to focus more on the positives for, from his race because he had a lot, and you know, I've been very very critical of him uh, uh, over this season, and 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 you know, credit where it's due. Yes, okay. His final position didn't, you know, wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't quite where he wanted to be. But going back to that overtake, um, that was textbook Danny Rick. That was um, 
that was to me that was a bit reminiscent of his move down into turn one at Baku in 2017 when he saw two drivers in front of him having a bath and he thought do you know what I fancy a piece of that pie and then he just went in swooped and took both of them and then and then buggered off uh, in front of them that is the kind of thing that he sort of like made his name doing and that that's the kind of thing that that he is so good at doing so more of that please Danny um, you had a, you had a pretty good quality yesterday, and and you know, and, and you know that you know, that that kind of move, that's what you're good at, you, you know. You, and it's not like he did it round the outside of someone you know, like Latifi and Stroll. Well, you know, okay, bad example because he hit Stroll. Um, but but you know, he did it round the outside of Alonso for God's sake, who is you know one of the masters of you know the masters of the grid and defending and you know, like Aaron says, you know, last year he made his Alpine the widest thing in the universe. Um, apart from Max's ego, and um, you know, and um, and uh, and and yeah, it was uh, um, you know, to, to do a move like that around the outside of, of, of someone like Alonso when Alonso is also already mid scrap, but to you know, to, to, to keep it within the racing line, uh, you know, to, you know, you know, you know, keep it within track limits, and um, and to um. <laughs> And yeah, cheers, Phil. Uh, and and to um, and to um, you know do it cleanly as well. That's the kind of move which she is so good at. And uh, and yeah, if we can just see, if we just see a bit more of that, and then and then if he just works on the consistency side of things. Today it looked like he was perhaps a bit more at one with the car, or he was sort of getting a bit more used to the car, or at least able to understand the flaws. Like Aaron said when he was talking about Lando, um, you know, he, he was he was he was a bit more there today and I'm just hoping that that this is a bit like Gazi this is like the start of of him sort of like beginning to gel with this year's McLaren and that this 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 is him sort of you know sort of like maybe kicking on a bit we saw it um in a second especially a second year at Renault he got very very good towards the end of the season um so hopefully you know and we saw it last year as well to a point you know, so hopefully this is a bit of much like I said about Gazi, Hopefully this is a bit of a catalyst for him, where he can carry on with this with this with this sort of better run of form that he's hopefully coming into, and then he can uh, you know begin to get a bit more consistent in the second half of the season. Yeah, I definitely think this race was much more of a bad result as opposed to a bad drive. Uh, I think he's he's definitely shown improvements in the last few weeks, and uh, he, I, I really want him to to come good. And and but you know, wanting doesn't always lead to results. But they just hope let's hope second half of the season that he does he does come back stronger. But uh, Kevin Magnussen next up in sixteenth, then Aaron and the early damage pretty much ruined his race. That meatball flag uh, definitely taking him out of uh, any contention for any points uh, first on the hards he was you know he was the clue to everyone that hard tires weren't going to work but so many drivers went for it anyway and uh, uh, just just a bit bit confusing really but how do you how do you put Magnussen's performance down today I love that you use the phrase meatball flag. I feel like you've got that from uh, Spanners at Missed Apex. So oh, it's been that. around for years that that saying <laughs> I'd never heard of it until he started using it like <laughs> what is this anyway um it was unfortunate that he picked up that damage. I think it was with Ricardo at turn one. So I can't remember quite where he was. He might have been hovering around the top 10. So maybe a point or two would have been on offer for Haas uh, there had he not had that uh, request to come in and change the wing. But there, I think at that situation, 
the hard tire going with the hard tire was probably the right thing to do because if it works you you can go really long and then you can stick on the mediums but by that point you've got nothing to lose because you're already at the back your race is already compromised so he, he did the best he could on that hard set of tires um and in the end he's come home 16th but that's not really down to the fact that the tire strategy was maybe misguided but they obviously they want to know how poor the, the hard tire was at that point uh it's more to do with the fact that his race was compromised with the damage to the front wing and he had to come in um apart from that a good good solid weekend for for k-mag because he qualified solidly in the midfield he admitted that the the car didn't really suit the track but he said the upgrades felt good i mean if it if it's likened to a ferrari then it's probably going to go pretty well just to see if they can operate it a bit better in terms of strategy. Um, that, that would really show Ferrari up <laughs> if a Ferrari sort of B car was showing them up. Um, but yeah, I mean, not a fruitful weekend in terms of points or finishing position for Kevin, but he'll see the bigger picture in the fact that the data gathered is really important. It's a good track for assessing how well your car can go. It's got lots of medium speed and low speed corners, a sensibly-ish long straight. So, you know, we'll, we'll see uh, how Haas crunch the numbers and come back fighting in uh, in their spot. Yeah, and finishing just behind Kevin Magnussen, Alex Albon, the first of the two Williams, uh, well clear of his teammate in a much lauded update, Phil, but it just it just doesn't seem to be working for Williams, does it? I mean, they were saying this is the best part of a second, a lap quicker, yet they're still qualifying right at the back. The races aren't getting any better. Um, am I being harsh on Williams here or am I just very you know right to be disappointed in what they've put forward this year? I think you hold them to the standard that they built for so many years and their heyday of the 80s and 90s and even in the 2000s and they were still a contending team or even eight years ago or thereabouts when they had the Mercedes engine and um, uh, forget um, which sponsor and they had Botas and and Massa. Yeah, the Martini car and they were actually, thanks Tom, and they were able to actually um, up there. But it's, it's gone away. And um, unfortunately, somebody has to be um, the back end of the field. And in this sense, the Williams team has become that. Now, in the sense of what um, Alex Albon's doing, I mean, there were some good performances there uh, earlier in the season. He stole three points um, as it stands right now. That's probably all they're going to get. Cup last year was uh, with what George did there in the summer, uh, late in the summer, middle of the summer last year, pre and post break, was what moved them up the the points table and gave them that money that should have been able to maybe give them a chance with this car. Um, Maybe they're, um, I guess it works out that whatever their idea was with this rules package did not work. And when you are a smaller, a much smaller team relative to, say, a Mercedes who missed the boat in a lot of ways, you're not going to be able to recover as quickly. Now, to be fair, they didn't have a lot of pace to begin with. Um, I think Mercedes had pace at at testing, but it was kind of a, um, you know, cover up for other issues. And then um, Williams doesn't have it. Albon is locked in. He's going to have a ride next year. 
Um, the person that's going to be talked about next most likely isn't. Um, very nice guy, um, but uh, he won't. And uh, who will be in that seat is somebody to look at. That's another piece of the puzzle for the uh, whatever silly season for next year. Now, do you want to go and sit in a car for three years and two or three years and not really go anywhere? You can ask George Russell. We'll see what uh, he feels now that now he's in a somewhat competitive car. And I say somewhat, um, but he's been able to maximize that car more until about the last five races than his much more heralded teammate. Um, you know, so, I mean, it tells you maybe it, it can be good to drive in a piece of crap um, if you drive in it for long enough. So um, we'll see who gets that honor um, here um, next year. Yeah, okay. And, and next up then we have uh, Nicholas Latifi. Um, was it uh, was it P in, in practice three, Gotifi was uh, was the top of the pile, Tom. And uh, how disappointed will he be to not be able to convert that into a win today? Oh, you were so close. You were so close. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was just it just slipped from within his grasp, and then yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, he he almost had it, and then then he came to the finishing P two zero, um, and um, yeah, on, no, technically no, he's nineteenth, isn't he? Because uh, Bottas didn't have. Um, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I presume to see if he was last. Uh, uh, he no, was 18th he has help. He's actually yeah, yeah, he was this... 18th on track. Oh shoot me! Um, <laughs> there, there, there is a god. Um, yeah, sorry, I apologise. I, I, I presumed wrongly presumed ish that that he was absolute plum last. Um, yeah, I didn't see anything of him in the race. Most like we said, sort of about this, this, these sort of drivers at the moment. Didn't say anything of him. I don't know what strategy he was on. You know, he could have been uh, he he could have been driving an FW fourteen B for all I know, and I didn't notice. Um, so yeah, so yeah, he was there. He took part. He started. He competed, but compete is a strong word. Um, he finished, and he is now probably in the hotel. Um, having dinner, um, I have nothing else to add. That's fair enough. I think you did well to talk about Latifi for that long, to be honest. Yeah. As, uh, but the only driver finishing behind him was uh, was the recently coined Spinoda, uh, last driver on track. Spin, the only real highlight for his, for his race. Aaron, did you see anything else that's worth talking about from from Yuki this weekend? Uh, no. Uh, the, the the thing that fascinated me about his spin was um, he spun right in front of Lewis Hamilton and he spun in such a way that he completely got out of the way of Hamilton and Hamilton lost no time in the middle sector on that lap. So, yeah, that was very, very helpful of uh, Yuki to just spin out of Lewis Hamilton's way to be lapped. <laughs> it was a difficult weekend for him because he didn't get out of Q1 and then a difficult race. He was on soft tires like lap 32 or something when he spun, which was just, it was just a weird strategy from Alfred. Maybe it's an Italian thing, this whole strategy shambles thing. Um, not sure. Let's dive into that a bit more at a later date. But yeah, again, we can't really say too much about these 
sort of midfield drivers because we didn't see much of them on the TV. There wasn't much happening. I say there wasn't much happening around them. There was just a lot more happening at the front of the field. Um, and without being in the paddock to go and directly speak to them, can't necessarily find out how their day was. Um, but yeah, Yuki will be disappointed that he's made a mistake and then dropped right down to finishing last. So he's having a bit of a a drop in form at the moment for me, Yuki Snowda. It's just he, he started the season fairly well, and now it's just getting away from him. He's not helped by the fact that the Alpha Tauri this year is not as strong as it was last year. Um, yeah, just you'll have to pick it up again after the summer break. Yeah, if you'd have said to him he'll be sitting five points behind Pierre Gasly in the championship at the summer break, he'd have thought, wow, fantastic, I'm like P8 or something in the championship. But I think the, see, the, the fact that the uh, the Alvatore team is just so, so off the pace this year. It hasn't really helped Sonoda's cause. He has definitely been better. But when you're fighting for 13th and 14th instead of 5th and 6th, then it, it doesn't really it doesn't really give you the points all you deserve. And uh, and it's the same for both drivers, to be honest. Uh, I think it's, it's just been one of those one of those seasons where you can't really can't really judge the drivers on this season. So Sonoda may mercifully get another season to try and prove himself. I don't think Red Bull have got anyone else baked in ready to throw into that car um there's a few people who got a shout but uh, I, I don't think they'd be any better than him unless they were going to recall alex album back into the fold which is a possibility i suppose but uh moving on to the the final classified driver then uh you feel is valtteri bottas retired just a few laps from the from the end of the race at least it kind of spiced up the end of the race there just a little bit of uh, a little bit of rain falling delaying the finish of the race because they were going slower and just meant that that hamilton was able to eat into that lead and you know there was a possibility there may have been a spin in those conditions and uh, so that's kind of really the best thing he could do for the for the weekend was just spice up those last few laps yeah it's unfortunate there for porridge um he had a i mean it's one of his better racetracks uh over his career and you look at what they did uh, yesterday. I mean, just wanted to go back there just to confirm. I mean, he was in eighth, so he made Q3. Had been on a run of races where um, he had made Q3, which broke that long streak that he had. Um, but the power unit issues uh, rise again. Pitch strategy also didn't work out so well because he had fallen out um tires and he fell out of the top 10 that would have made a a been a recovery in that sense to go and get some points out of the weekend but just a lost weekend for botas there unfortunately but to be fair what he's brought to that organization and also to joe um as a rookie teammate has been a lot of um positive energy for a team that hasn't really had it for a long time for a team that's really went down the hill um over the past few years um and they were only ninth in the constructors last year um this year they're actually have a chance um to to finish they're definite they're in a great chance to finish sixth and um considering where they were last year at this time with their car i think they would have taken that um if they can get the reliability situation sewed up a little bit both drivers have shown at times in in single lap pace even botas has really shown well in qualifying which used to be his uh, bugaboo at mercedes and along with starts he's 
doing all right with his qualifying and he's doing all right with his starts. So I guess he just needed a change of scenery there. I'm unfortunate today. Uh, if it had happened maybe a couple laps earlier and then the rain had actually come in, I think it might've made it a little more interesting than even what it came to, but it was a lap to go. So unfortunate for Valtteri he gets to go off with his partner and go off to um, swim butt naked in, in, in rivers or wherever and, wherever the heck he wants to do and get made into a meme again. Um, so um, bless him and all of his, his base and uh, we'll see him all at uh, spa next month. <laughs> yeah. I think maybe if that had happened four or five laps earlier, we may have seen a competition safety car thrown. It's uh, but given that it was happening so late, you know, they're, they're, they're so intent on finishing with the racing laps clearly as we saw last year. So uh, yeah, it's uh unfortunate timing definitely but uh, but in the end didn't really make any difference so that just leads us now to talk about our drivers of the day i'm going to come to you first tom who have you got as your driver of the day and why you know this is going i am going to say max um because he came from p10 to p1 you know you, you know he overtook the class twice granted he made the work for himself to have to overtake the class twice but um but yeah, you know, I really thought today that Ferrari were gonna. There was good. They were gonna sort of close the gap, and Max just said, "Nah, fam, not on my watch." Um, and yeah, just, uh, just you just 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 had a really really good race. I did not. I didn't even think he got on the podium, let alone win. Um, so yeah, you know, it, for me, it's hard to say otherwise. But I do want to do also want to say, um, running a very close second is Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree. I think uh, I've. I mean, I'm not going to do mine, but I, I do agree that Verstappen is definitely a very strong shout for for driver of the day. Aaron, your your choice for driver of the day. I don't think you can look much further than Max Verstappen. Yes, he had the fastest. Well, one of the fastest cars on the track this weekend. I mean, the Charles Leclerc Ferrari combination was as fast, but it was severely mismanaged from the pit wall. Um. Yeah, I think Max is probably the driver of the day. No one else did a better job. He won the race from 10th on the grid. Can't say fairer than that, can you? No, fair enough. I think it's uh, it's, it's pretty strong around. But Phil, uh, any differing opinions on Max Verstappen? Sadly, no. But, um, you know, you got to give him credit. I think, you know, it's it's we were talking about Williams and, you know, Nigel Mansell locked up his world championship here in 1992 30 years ago and i think max verstappen today won the world championship uh the combination of starting 10th it reminds me of his performance in russia last year and the call that they made late to get him on the rain tires um, where he was running in no man's land in sixth or seventh and had damage they go and pit him and by the end of that race he finished second and we look at the points difference at the end of the year. And I think that was part that part to do with that. I mean, we can go over any number of other instances last year, but in this case, 10th to first at a track, I mean, Jensen bought and finished started 16th in 2006 to win his first race, but 10th to first on that racetrack, having to battle Leclerc, um, they're able to drive around each other perfectly fine. I find that interesting, but the, what he did, today and what red bull did today was basically just say yeah it's over um 
And so good power to him. He's going to win this world championship. It's just a case of by how much and when he's going to lock it up. That's really what it is. You're three races ahead uh, uh, with nine to go. It's it's just a case of who he's, where he's, how many more he's going to win at this point. So good on him. He's going to win this world championship. He keeps on adding to it. He's probably going to pass. I think the next thing we have to look at is Fernando Alonso in 32 Formula One wins. Um, he needs to win, what, four more. So that's the next um, uh, thing he has to break. I think the over 30 Grand Prix wins is a big uh, milestone. I mean, now he's past Sir Jackie Stewart and all those guys, So and Jim Clark. So that's the next milestone he has to hit. Yeah, it, I think that's going to happen and probably will happen this season as well. It's uh, it's That's going to annoy Fernando. <laughs> Definitely going to annoy Fernando. So uh, that's it for the show. So I'll just give you guys your opportunity to uh, to plug your social handles and your and your other projects. So Tom, tell us tell us about Everything F1 and where can people find out more about you? Um, so I'm part of Everything F1. Find us across all just your favourite social media platforms, so Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, what's the other one? The, the kids use uh, TikTok. Um, Twitch, maybe? <laughs> no, no, no. We don't have a Twitch channel. Oh, okay. um, no, uh, no, TikTok, because apparently that's a thing. Um, not that I would know, to be honest. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, see. There we go. Um, that's why I don't do it. Um, yeah. The, so, so the the handle for that is at um, is at join the F one or everything F one. Searches will find it. We have our website everythingf1.com with race articles, quality articles, opinion pieces. Uh, the covers F one, F two, F three, W series, Formula E, uh, and IndyCar. Um, we have a YouTube channel which we're working on. Um, everything F one shock. And last but by no means least, we have the Everything F one podcast. Which again, review, preview, um, general natterings, uh, you know, during the off season, um, during mid season break. It goes out every Wednesday or Thursday, and we have some good guests on as well, fairly regularly. Uh, I believe we, we may well be having uh, Johan Daruvula coming on uh, this week. Nice. And uh, Aaron, uh, tell us more about Five Red Lights. Uh, so, the Five Red Lights is an F1 podcast which I host. Uh, you can find it everywhere that does a podcast. You can find it on YouTube. Find me on Twitter uh, at five underscore red underscore lights on Instagram, five red lights. And my website is five red slash five rl pod blog. I also write the race and qualifying reports for F1 Chronicle and I contribute to insidef2.com. Excellent. Uh, and, and Phil, finally, with the grip strip pod. Unmute myself there. I have to remember that. Uh, I'm. We're at uh, Grip Strip Pod on uh, all socials, Twitter. We're on YouTube. We post our videos there, are the live shows there. Um, we talk about all things motorsports. Essentially, as long as it goes fast, and I can remember to put it on the outline, we talk about it on the Grip Strip Podcast. Um, we talk about you know Formula One, IndyCar, NASCAR, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. If you want to go and listen to that, get a little bit of everything, long form podcast, nice listen during the day. If you're um, at work and you're bored and you just want to go and relax, listen to the Grip Strip podcast. You'll get a good uh, a dose of that from both myself and my co-host, Joshua Fine. Uh, we'll be, uh, I'll be uh, calling in one of my friends, Joe, this week to go and um, sub for Josh since he's on vacation. 
you can follow us at Gripstrip Pod. You can follow me at Philip G. Matthew. And you can find the Gripstrip Pod basically anywhere podcasts are posted. So um, thanks again to the Toms and Aaron, everybody. Great work. I um, love being on the Grid Talk. Um, always a very passionate uh, group and always uh, nice to go and sneak in little um, jokes here and there. It's part of what makes this a great time. Yeah, and, and uh, Grid Talk loves having you as well, Phil. So uh, if you want to hear more from Formula One Grid Talk, we have a huge back catalogue of shows you can go back to listen to. All our race shows go out live on YouTube straight after the event, and our audio version is out slightly later, which is available on Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, Omni Studio, and Pocket Casts. We also run a Patreon, so if you want to help us continue doing what we're doing, please consider donating to us, and everything goes back into the show so we can improve your experience. You can also support us by buying merchandise from uh, f1chronicle.com forward slash store. And uh, so maybe the summer break coming up, but F1 Chronicle has got a plethora of content lined up for you to keep you entertained over the next three weeks. We have a tech special. We have our traditional mid-season driver ratings and the odd guest or two coming on as well. So uh, we're going to just do our post show now. So for the uh, for the audio listeners, we'll see you soon and goodbye.